Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message from Real Life Community, where we talk about connecting with God and others, growing in Christ-likeness, and sharing God's life with the world. My name is Sarah Comer, and I serve each week as Connections Pastor, making sure that you know that there is a God and a community that loves you and wants to go through the seasons of life with you. You can find us at reallifecommunity.org, and we would love to meet you on Facebook or Instagram. Until then, we hope this message meets you right where you are and helps you know just how deep the Father's love is for you. It is so good. Raise your hand if you have something that you, you, I'm not going to praise you up here, but raise your hand if you have something that you want to praise God for today. Something that's happened this past year, something that's going on right now, something that has been a highlight, that is awesome. We are that people who get to gather around the reality that we are not a defeated people, we are not a dead people, we are not a people of destruction but we are truly a people of resurrection. That blesses my heart today, and I hope it does for you too. Sundays are always about resurrection. Now, I recognize that sometimes Sundays don't feel quite like resurrection for you. Um, I know some of the conversations going on in your cars on the way to church. I know some of the battles that wage in your home uh, when it comes to talking about getting up and going to church. I get that. Those may not sound a whole lot like resurrection reality, but the truth of the matter is that every Sunday is a day that we get to gather and remember and rehearse and celebrate that resurrection is our truth. Uh, It's bewildering, true. It doesn't make a whole lot of logical sense when you start thinking about resurrection. I mean, do people really get resurrected? And the stories go, I mean, you've probably read some of these stories. You've heard the narratives of some people who have come back to life. But I want to make a very important point this morning, that there is a difference between resuscitation and resurrection. And this is what I'm talking about. Some would say, well, Jesus came back to life. So did all these people. What about that little boy who wrote that story about heaven or I forget the name of it? Uh, He came back to life too. So what's so special about Jesus? I'm gonna tell you what's so special. Everyone except for Jesus was resuscitated, which means there was a day that they eventually did die and they did not come back to life. They are in the grave. Jesus is not. And the promise that we have a resurrection is not just that we're just gonna get resuscitated. We're gonna have our heart beating again. We're gonna... No, the promise of resurrection is that death no longer has a hold on us and that the end of our story is not a tomb. It's a kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that is riddled with life and hope and and all of that. And so for a world in which we are reminded so much daily about how much death, decay, and destruction is all around us, that is, resuscitation is not our hope resurrection is. So followers of Jesus are anchored by the resurrection and our celebrations of it. That's why Sunday morning is so important. That's why gathering together with the people of God on uh, during a service or a small group or some type of other gathering where it is, is very obvious that uh, it is the story of God that's guiding that gathering. That's why it's so important for us to be a part of those. 
That, that's why it's so important for us to be a part of a church, not just to go to church, because you can go to church and not be part of a church, amen? You can show up, but never engage. And what God has called us to do is not just to show up, God's called us to engage, to be a part of the worshiping community of the people of God who are ordered by resurrection. So this morning, I want to get into God's word. And as we do so, I want us to rehearse something. You guys have been very like loud today, which is great. I love seeing you guys just not being held back in any way, shape, or form. But there's been a tradition in the, in the church, not just real life, but in the broader church, where on, sun, on Easter Sundays, there's this little uh, a phrase that's said, and then there's a response. And, and if you've never heard this, I, I want to teach it to you. And I've learned as a pastor never to assume that everyone knows what goes on in the life of the church. So here's the phrase. A pastor or someone would say something like, he is risen. And then the congregation like yells back at them, he is risen indeed, right? Okay, some of you already got that. So those of you who have done this before, you need to carry the weight for those of us who never have done this at all. And we're going to just practice this because this is truly our declaration this morning, amen? He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. And that is our reality. Sin and death have been defeated. The power of resurrection has been unleashed into the world. But unfortunately, we see more than enough examples of how resurrection is not the story of the day. I make it a habit when I wake up in the morning just to check to see what's happened in the news overnight. I, I, I like to see what happened in the day before. And I'll tell you, um, some days I really make it a quick kind of gander through the news because it's just depressing. But uh, we all know that there is um, more than a military operation going on in Ukraine. And in Ukraine, that what's going on there is not resurrection. Let's just be clear on that. That's not resurrection. And so how is it that a, a resurrection that's been unleashed in the world, the world still has to deal with that? I, I, I also want to say this about Ukraine. There are still moments of resurrection that are occurring even in the worst of situations. Those stories are seeping out. Some of those stories are being heard and lived out in the countries around Ukraine where uh, the resurrection army, if you will, is doing its best work to welcome the stranger, the orphan, the widow. They're doing their best to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And in many ways, that's exactly what's happening. So just because resurrection is a reality does not mean that it is a reality for everyone, which is why it's so important for the people of God to take to heart our role in sharing resurrection, not just realizing it in our own lives, but giving that away to the people, speaking that into the conversations that we're a part of. Guys, guys, I, I get it. There are times in your own life, in your own body, and in your own mind, in your own soul, resurrection does not seem to be the story of the day. And, and that is because there is one who does not want that to be your reality. And this morning, as we think about this, we need to think and realize that God has done some amazing things for us in the resurrection. 
And it is our joy and opportunity and privilege to live into that, to take steps into that direction. And when everything else other than the resurrection hits us, we still keep walking forward. We keep marching on. We keep living in that direction. Side note, um, baptism is something that uh, you see around the church. It's something that the people of God ha- that have done, we've done for centuries. Jesus himself was baptized. Um, and, and when we think about resurrection, we have to think also about baptism. Baptism is not just about you getting in some water and saying what you have done to put your faith in Jesus. If that's all it is, baptism's all about you. Baptism's not all about you. Baptism is about what God is doing in you. And so in a very real sense, baptism is about identifying with both the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And my hope and my prayer is that we, as the people of God, are, have not just been baptized, but we are living into our baptism. That that is a daily kind of living. We are living immersed in the, in the waters of faith. And for those out there who may say, you know, I've never been baptized. In fact, I've never realized that that's what baptism was. Or I was baptized. I'm like, I didn't get that. I thought it was all about me saying what I'd done. Let's have conversations about what does it look like to be baptized and to live baptized. All right, let's have those conversations. John 20 verses 1 through 10 says this, early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, I love that name, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they've laid him. Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple uh, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. Kind of an anticlimactic ending to the passage of scripture. But as, the, as, the, as we read this, this, this is the word of God for the people of God in the world. And we all say together, thank you, Jesus. The first three people to encounter the reality of an empty tomb was Mary, uh, this other disciple, who tradition says was John, and uh, Simon Peter. These were the first to show up at ground zero where something obviously had taken place. A woman and two guys who were probably off hiding somewhere for fear of what the religious authorities were going to do to them in light of what they'd seen they had done to Jesus. Not exactly the most uh, rambunctious group or likely group of people to be the first witnesses. I mean, if you wanted to, uh, to, to make a bigger splash and have more credibility, what if you had shown up to Pilate? 
What if uh, the religious authorities had been the first ones to see him? Well, that probably would have gone horribly wrong. They would have spun that, not that anyone ever spins anything. But, 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 but these people, unlikely characters. I am so glad that God picks misfits like you and I to be the tools, the ambassadors, the mouthpieces of the gospel. God uses us. What does it look like in your life to look into the things that have stumped you, bewildered you, and surprised you? Much like the tomb was for them. Specifically regarding Jesus and the faith in the Son of God, what has your investigation led you to discover? You've heard about Jesus, but what has that driven you to do? What has that investigation looked like? I think that some of us, we actually hear about Jesus, but we put that off. Like, I'll get to that later. Could you imagine had those three that day said, you know what? I don't really have time right now. You know, I've got something to do. I'll run to the tomb later. No, I love their response. They went running. It was a race between Simon Peter and the other disciple. Um, they they, They were bound and determined to get to that tomb because they wanted to discover for themselves what had happened. Oh, if only that was our posture in response to the things that God is doing in and around us, that we would be the people who run, race to get to ground zero, to get to the place where it all was happening. What would that look like if we would be more like Simon Peter and the other disciple? I also wonder sometimes, what is it that prohibits us or holds us back from digging in of looking in. You notice the first one who got there, the other disciple, he didn't look in. I think some of us are like that at times. We get close, but just we don't go all the way in. Uh, Simon Peter, uh, he got there and he looked in. He got down and dirty. Probably the way things were laid out, he probably had to get on his hands and feet and he had to like look into this darkness himself. I think that would be a great posture for all of us to take when it comes to digging into the faith, that we would not just scurry to be in the vicinity. We wouldn't scurry just to be bystanders, observers, uh, bench warmers. We would be people who get there and dig in, jump in, both feet, all the way. We get immersed in this story. I guess you could say we get baptized on and on and on. Grief alters our perspective though. Uh, Mary was stricken with grief. She got there. He was gone. She was overcome because this man that she loved so dearly had been taken evidently. You can imagine the grief on her. You've been there at times where grief has grabbed a hold of you. Maybe she didn't understand what was happening because she just wasn't in the right mind. I know I've been there. Have you been there? Mary, she isn't in the headspace to put together all that is happening, to remember the scriptures that spoke of this day, 
She, she wasn't recalling that. She was just held up in her grief. And sometimes that's us. We get held up by our emotions and our grief and our struggles and our trials and all the things that are hard, and we just don't see things the way they're supposed to be seen. She was actually the third one to get in there. And she, had, she encountered something pretty significant in there, something so significant that it changed her entire life. It's interesting. What she ended up seeing was the absence of Jesus, not the presence of Jesus. The absence began in her a process that, well, let's get to it. I, I love the fact that this scene is taking place in a garden. That's where most of these tombs would have been, in a garden. And here's a little plug for reading Scripture. Read Scripture widely. Linger in Scripture until you begin hearing the rumors and the ramifications of Scripture. You, you begin seeing the threads that are woven through Scripture. That's what we do on Wednesday nights in our small group that meets here. We just dig into Scripture, and we just kind of just saturate in it and hang out in it, and we have some amazing times together. But follow me here. Follow me here. Back in Genesis, where was it that sin grabbed a hold of humanity? A garden. Back in Genesis, who was, by the biblical account, the first one to open the door to sin? Eve, the woman. Now, fast forward through a whole bunch of the biblical history. Here in John, where was it that sin lost its hold on humanity? A garden. Here in John, who was the first one to witness that the death promised in Genesis had been defeated and that the narrative of God's creation was now the story? The woman. Mary. It's as though the first garden where everything had fallen apart was now being restored in another garden. You can't make this stuff up. God's hand is at work through all of scripture. And that continues even today. Here's my question for you. Which garden are you living in? The garden where sin got a hold or the garden where sin lost its hold. Which woman are you? I know that's a weird question. That's an odd question. That's an odd question for about half the people in this room. Which woman are you? Now, guys, I want you to answer this as well. I want you to answer this as well. Even men, does your life better resemble the Genesis Eve or the Mary and John. The one who is susceptible to sin, the one who is throwing their towel in with the adversary, with the liar. Or are you the one, like Mary, who is allowing everything about you to be changed? I love the story of Mary because it can be our story. 
Mary was a woman possessed by demons, dealing with trauma and isolation from that. But now, Mary is the first post-resurrection apostle, the one who is sent. Which one are you? You fill in this blank for me. You were, name your thing, your struggle, your battle, your addiction, your dysfunction, your death, decay, and destruction. Name that. You were, but now. Who are you now? Who are you now? Because Jesus has gotten a hold of your life. In what ways have you seen the Lord? I will never forget the first time I heard Christy say my name. Not like just the first time where I heard her call across the sanctuary at the school that we attended. Not that time. No, the first time when I knew there was something behind it. You know what I'm talking about? When she said it, but there was just that little tone there that I knew, oh, she sees me. She knows me. She wants me. This is what's happening in the story of Jesus when he calls your name. I can only imagine Mary in her grief looking at this gardener. She is asking, where have you laid my, my Lord? And he asks a couple questions, but then he says this. He says, Mary. And it, it clicked. This is no gardener. This is my Lord. Have you heard? from your Lord. Have you run to the place of your defeat to see for yourself that Jesus has overcome it? Good Friday, just a couple days ago, the day when the church remembers and reflects upon that last supper and the move to the garden and Jesus' arrest and the farce of a trial and all of the activities of that day. We call it Good Friday. Some people get it wrong and say it's Bad Friday or Black Friday. Yeah, I think yes. But this last Friday, Christy and I and Ryland made a trip to Memphis and we went to see Jace run in a college track meet. We had some extra time to spare and so we took a couple detours. We stopped for some really good donuts along the way. That's important. Um, we, uh, we stopped, we actually went down into Mississippi so I could run in a state that I hadn't run in yet. But then we drove downtown Memphis. I don't know if you've ever been there. But we made our way down to the Lorraine Hotel. If you're not familiar with the Lorraine Hotel, it became a landmark. April 4th, I believe it was, 1968. When Martin Luther King Jr., was gunned down outside of his hotel room while talking to some men. 
we stood there and looking up at that second floor balcony where hangs a, a wreath to commemorate Dr. King. And as I was reading all of the information, I, I read that the, the gunman probably took that shot from a boarding house window back behind us. And so I looked up and that's probably about where it was. And, and I stood in the middle of where Dr. King was and where his assassin was. And I was overwhelmed. Because as we drove through the streets of Memphis, finding our way down to that place, I had this overwhelming sense of the hatred and the, the anger and the not resurrection that flowed through the streets of Memphis as it has flown through so many other streets. And my heart was heavy. We humans have not gotten it right in some pretty big ways. But on that little piece of ground that I stood, I was reminded that the events of April 4th and everything surrounding that, 1968, about eight years before I was born, that is not our story. Anything that leads to that is not our story. It is not the resurrection story of Jesus Christ. It is the story of a first garden, not the second one. So this morning, as we move to kind of conclude our time together with a song, I want us to think about what does it look like when Jesus calls your name. Is this your posture? Or is this your posture? Is surrender yours? I love, I love this passage of the scripture because like, I want to say to these two guys, Simon Peter and that other disciple, um, guys, you're boneheads. You knew something and you just went home. But Mary, Mary, let it change her. And she became the apostle. Now, we don't usually call Mary an apostle, but functionally, that's what she was. She took a message and took it to people. That's what apostles do. Which one are you? Are you the guys who are going to go home? Or are you the Mary who's going to go and share? Stand with me, church. And I, I, I just want you to, to have a moment of, of reflection and prayer. I, it would, I would be remiss to miss this opportunity and to not provide it to you. Church, today, do you need to look into the tomb and be changed? Let's just bow our hearts before God this morning. Let's, let's just for a brief moment say, 
find ourselves at the tomb that morning. Let's find ourselves in the midst of our bewilderment and wonder and questions and doubt. And can we just say, Jesus, what do you want from me? And this morning, if you have never, ever surrendered your life to Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity. And the song we're about to sing is going to be so appropriate for you because amazing things happen when you give your life to Jesus. So with all hearts bowed and, and just eyes and heads as well, would anyone raise your hand and say, I need to get right with Jesus today. Maybe you've been there and you've kind of drifted and you just say, today's the day I need to get back there. Okay, awesome. Great, thank you. Let's pray. God, I just pray for these people. Lord, that you would hear their hearts. If you raised your hand, would you be honest with God tonight or this morning? Would you just say, I'm sorry for the ways that I have turned my back on you. I'm sorry for the ways I've run away from you. I'm sorry for the ways that I have said no to you when it should have been a yes. Now for some of the rest of us, are are we the kind who are just kind of living in apathy? We haven't had our world rocked. Maybe it was rocked at one point, but we've kind of drifted from that place. And today is a day where we're just kind of running on fumes. If today you need to be reignited in your faith and relationship with Jesus, would you just slip your hand up real quick? Yeah, all over this place. God, I pray that you would hear their hearts this morning. Church, just be honest with God this morning. Just say, God, I'm sorry for the ways that I have just not taken care of business. Help me, Lord. Call my name, Jesus. Lord, we, your church, gathered together today to remember, to celebrate, to rehearse what resurrection is all about. Lord, you have called us together as a resurrection community. Lord, we ask for forgiveness for the ways in which the way we've conducted things has been so far short of that. Help us be a resurrected people. Help us not be able to keep a lid on what has happened. Lord, This morning, as we prepare to close this service, I pray that every one of us would have this overwhelming awareness and reality that because of Easter, everything is different. And may you help us live into the resurrection narrative rather than all the other narratives that seem to leave us falling short. Lord, we thank you today. Church, just take a moment and say, thank you, Jesus, for fill in the blank. Thank him for something this morning. If you can't think of anything, thank him for the resurrection. Thank him for hope and peace. Lord, hear our hearts this morning. We have sung our songs to you. We have given our offerings to you. 
we have given our lives to you and our bodies are here, but Lord, I pray that you would ignite us inside. Help us be that church who recognizes that we are not just here on this little parcel of property, but we are a global church. Help us be a resurrected reality in the world that's in desperate need of it. Church, in the name of Jesus, the resurrected one, we all say together, amen. Church, as we sing this last song, I'm gonna come up in just a bit and give you a benediction and send you out. But uh, we are all about giving. And on Easter, we kind of do a special offering for Easter. It's called Easter Offering. And it goes to help fund global missions around the world. I wanna invite you during this song, maybe you wanna come up. And if you haven't already, put your offerings, your tithes in there. But dig deep for an Easter offering. Anything loose in those baskets, joy baskets, come on now, joy baskets, joy box, joy portal, anything that's loose is going to take the resurrection message to the world. So you may not have come prepared to give and you may be a first timer here. That's all right. Let's all give something today so that the resurrection message can be found around the world. Amen? Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We would love for you to join us in person. Our address is 2022 East Main Street in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. If you'd like to make a donation to keep our podcast ministry going, you can do so online at reallifecommunity.org slash give. Thanks again for listening.